Revenge, Season 1, Episode 5, Guilt. Hi, and welcome to the Kowski Cast. I'm Mary. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about Episode 5 in the first season of Revenge. How are you this evening, Laura? I'm great. Sitting next to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here in Richmond, I had a nice weekend with Mary. I finally convinced her to come out with me and go to one of my friends' parties. <sighs> yeah, where I had one drink. I don't even think I finished it. <laughs> Lame. I had two drinks. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. It's hard after college to, like, motivate myself oh to, my like, do anything, really. I feel like I've come and stayed at your place and I've gone out before and... You haven't come. I haven't been able to convince you. I really enjoy just watching movies. We even... This is how early we left that party. We... Before 12. Well, it was, it was about right at 12. We came home, and then we went to McDonald's and got some milkshakes. No. No. We, we tried to go to McDonald's, oh, yeah. but McDonald's was closed because... I don't know. I feel like it was a Saturday night, like at midnight. I don't I think, know. I don't um, know if daylight savings had anything to do with it. Maybe places were just closing early. Well, I think... I know when I worked at Dairy Queen, we closed at 10, and then the McDonald's right beside us closed at 12, I think. 11 or 12. So like, I'm just so used can, to McDonald's we being, can, like, 24-7. I'd, like, work at Dairy Queen, and then my shift was over. I would just drive right over to McDonald's and pick something up on the way home. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we went to Cookout instead, which I like their milkshakes better anyway, but it was, it was just farther away. Well, like, we were going to get McFlurries at McDonald's. Cause, right, which is kind of different than a Cookout milkshake. Yeah, but I love so, McFlurries. Right, so we went to Cookout, and we got the milkshakes, and came home, and we were watching an episode of Glee. I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, you fell asleep immediately, and I guess you didn't eat very much in your milkshake, but this morning, <laughs> what did you realize? Oh my gosh, I woke up, for one, my sweatshirt was on backwards. Again, like, I think this was just because I was really tired. Yeah. I, I had only had two drinks, and like, okay, two gel shots, but they're, whatever, it had been hours. <laughs> I don't like jello shots. I oh my gosh, I do. Anyway, so yeah, I woke up, my sweatshirt's on backwards, and I went downstairs. Well, I woke up and I panicked. I was like, oh shoot. And I ran downstairs and I opened the refrigerator and my milkshake was in the fridge. So like, ugh. She forgot to put it in the freezer. I forgot to put it in the freezer, so it was all melted. I mean, it's in the freezer now. And I probably will still eat it, but the consistency is going to be like... I think that's disgusting. Like, I don't even like it when you have ice cream that you've kept that's kind of old and it's like sort of melts a little bit on top and then it like refreezes. I will not even eat that. I think that's uh, disgusting. But I... I'm very picky. I get to be picky about my ice cream. If I'm going through the trouble to eat something that's not good for me, then I want it to at least taste very good. Well, I'm so cheap. Even though you pay for it. Yeah, I paid for the milk. Whatever. I feel like I need to get my money's worth, so I need to eat it. Plus, I'm sure if it melted all of the like M&M's are probably, like, all lost their color in there. Oh, it's just They're going to be on the bottom. It's going to be so gross. But I love the crunch of the M&M's. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. That was our, was our weekend. <laughs> hey, I we strolled it. into that party. We had gone to... Okay. First, it was, like, a black... Like, a blackout party. Like, I thought you wore all black. And then, like, an, a couple hours before the party, they said... Oh, it's actually a neon glow party. So, like, we ran over to Plato's Closet. I bought a bunch of different neon, neon stuff. Yeah. We stroll into the party, and we're the only ones wearing neon. Everybody I'm else okay wearing black. But I, I thought cool. we looked good. 
black pants on. Or I had black pants on at least. Uh, I had jeans. I, we definitely popped. We, st- we stood out. Yeah, I think that's okay. It's okay to stand out at a party. Yeah. Anyway. Girl, I, oh, I stand out wherever I go. Okay. Sure you do. <laughs> Especially with your new giant glasses. I was going to say. I uh, got these new glasses. The lady at the eyeglass place, she convinced me to put these, or to buy these glasses. I mean, they're very fashionable. They're just like... Not the style you normally wear. Yeah. I went in, and I had already picked out glasses I was interested in, and she said, oh, oh, no, honey. This is my job. Like, I'm going to look at your face. I'm going to pick out glasses for you. And, I, of course, these ones, these were, like, one of the first ones that I that I tried on that she had picked out, and I, I put them on, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, no. And I, I put them in the, in the no pile. And then those are the ones that I end up buying. I'm getting used to that, okay? I don't like to stand out. I try to... <laughs> Okay, well, I just said you I You just said you always stand out. I know, but I don't like to stand out, so... I think they're cute. I think you just have to get used to them. Yeah, they're big, and they're kind of, what, more hipster A little bit. I mean, I guess. They look like the type of glasses that a lot of people who don't actually need glasses wear, just to, like... Oh, yeah. Like, as an accessory. But, but I do need glasses. Yeah. I legally can't drive without glasses, and I always wear contacts right when I wake up. Yes. I <laughs> gave up on wearing contacts years ago because I didn't want to be dependent on them. So no. I just wear glasses sometimes, and I got used to my eyes. <laughs> I love contacts, and I have a, what is it called, when you relate things to each other? I have a, um... When you relate things to each other? What are you talking about? Like you say, this is to this as this is to this. Or, or, or no, like... Oh, I don't know what that's called. Anyway, I have something, but it's, it's inappropriate, so I'm not gonna say it. Okay, I don't even know where you're going with that. I'll tell you later. Okay. You know, like, like, um, contacts are to glasses as blank is to blank. And it's perfect. It makes a lot of sense. It's what I always say, but I feel like girls would love it, guys would not like it. Oh, I got you. I connected those dots. It's feminine, feminine stuff. I think we we figured it out. Everyone (laughs) everyone who's on the same page as you has figured it out. Everyone who doesn't know what you're talking about, it's fine. Yeah, but what is it called? What is that thing called again? I don't know, like a relational statement. I don't know what it's called. It has the, um... A colon or a, you mean a ratio? It's not a ratio. No, 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 not a ratio. There's definitely a. We did these in in school. In I know, like they would school. always say that they were going to be on like SATs and then they never were on SATs. Like red is too. I know, I know what you're talking about. Fire, fire um, extinguisher. No fire. Fire uh, extinguisher. No, no, no. Fire. Um, I don't know what you're talking on about. The, on the road, fire. Not extinguisher, but. Fire hydrant. Oh, a fire hydrant? Red is to fire hydrant as yellow is to sun. I don't know. That's probably... That's not... That's not one. Wait, wait, that wait. Would not no, be, no. That would not be one. <laughs> it would be like red is to stop sign as yellow is to yield sign or something. They would have to like actually relate. And you say... And you usually say yellow is to blank and you have to fill it out. Or like bow is to violin as pick is to guitar or something like that yeah true true i totally okay whatever we're actually gonna get now that we've been talking about nothing for seven minutes wow we're trying to actually get into the episode here (sighs) well so this episode boom it starts off with a bang (laughs) starts off with a crash (laughs) well yeah really um but you know what it reminded me of an opening to like a csi or svu episode Mm-hmm. Yeah, CSI where they would show the crime and then yep. it sort of like either goes back in time or it shows like how they're solving what happened. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this one you go back in time to two days earlier, but what mm-hmm. happens is it opens up and Lydia is, you see her uh, 
crashing into, uh, she's, she's falling off of a ledge or, and she crashes into a cab or, or a perfect taxi, a a taxi onto the roof of a taxi. Yeah, she falls straight down on her back and she's wearing a very pretty dress. Yep. Wearing a pretty dress and she looks like she's dead. And then it says two days earlier. Yes. And for one thing, this episode I think is probably the most clear we've gotten so far in terms of how the title relates to the whole episode. So the title of guilt, I feel like, really just infiltrates every part of the episode. It really, I don't think infiltrate was the right word there, but it it's definitely almost every person, I think, was acting on some sort of guilt. And, and so the, the episode opens with a quote like we get many times. And the quote at the beginning says, In revenge, as in life, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. In the end, the guilty always fall. And it was right then when it said fall that Lydia crashed into the car. Perfect. So, it was definitely uh, a shocking of an opening, I would say. Probably this one and the first episode with the uh, person getting shot on the beach. Uh-huh. It's probably the most... Just uh, shocking and dramatic openings that we've gotten so far. Well, because they both look like someone has died. That's probably why. Right. They're both hinting toward a death or explicitly showing one. And And for this one, it's like, wow, Lydia is back again. So the whole first episode when Victoria is like, I'm going to, you know, I'm banishing you. You're never coming back. And then all that's caused is Lydia to come back and back and back. Well, and we've talked about... But this could be the end of her. Yeah, but we've talked about in a lot of these episodes, you know, how people stack up, how the targets stack up against each other and which ones seem like real threats. And I think, you know, we definitely thought Bill Harmon seemed like more of a threat in episode two than Lydia seemed in episode one. But I would say so far, this episode, Lydia really seems to be one of the biggest threats we've gotten so far, mostly just because of her, yeah, her tenacity, her coming back, and she knows a lot of things. Um, yeah, don't discount a woman. A woman scorned is a <laughs> woman scorned. I don't know what the, <laughs> the phrase is. So the whole episode is really about Lydia trying to get back into Victoria's good graces. And how that's really... I think you see that Lydia is friends with Victoria, and that's really what she wants, is to continue to be friends with Victoria. But she also still appears to want to keep hooking up with Conrad. So. She wants... What? She wants her... Cake, cake and, and to eat it too. And to eat it too. She wants to be friends with Victoria, but also be having an affair with her husband at the same time. It's just, it's not good. It's not going to work out. And and this episode also is one of the first we've seen so far that takes place immediately after the previous episode. We saw at the end of the last episode, Victoria was asking Frank to stay and watch at night because Conrad was quote unquote in like San Francisco or something like that. Uh, where we know that he was actually just in town hanging out with Lydia, but so we see it in this episode that Frank is, it's the next morning and Frank is there and Victoria comes downstairs and basically says thanks for staying last night and watching over and he informs her that Conrad never went, his his uh, his jet or his helicopter or whatever never took off and he actually stayed in New York, he stayed in the city, and he shows her a bank receipt of $10 million that he had given, that Conrad had given to Lydia. So, Victoria seems to have kind of pieced all this together. She knows what's going on. Yeah. And then we see that 
you know, Conrad's come home, but so has Lydia. Lydia's come back into town, and we see that Lydia shows up at Emily's house. She wants to get the house back. Right. She wants to move back in. I think she's trying to put her life back together. And well, she, it's she's, only been a couple weeks since she's been gone, but... Yeah, and she claims certain things, like the divorce. Uh, basically, she didn't have any right or... She didn't, she didn't give her husband permission to put the house on the market or just different and legal her name, things and like her that. name was still part of the deed technically to the yeah house. so trying to get the house back uh, from Emily and of course Emily doesn't want to give the house back but meanwhile all of this is gonna come back later which is kind of interesting because we see that Nolan has come over to say hi real quick and he dropped off this little whale figurine and he puts it on Emily's mantle. And we see that Lydia notices it, notices it at, as well. And uh, we see later Nolan watching the footage, and it's actually a camera that yeah. he put in I mean, Emily's house. And I think he just wanted to put it there to, you know, make sure everything was okay. He wants to spy on Emily. And well, I don't like, think he wants to spy on her. I think he wants to look after her. Okay, you know, same thing. System. Spying. Looking, I mean, he didn't tell her about it, so that's what spying is. You're Maybe you could be watching over somebody, but you're not, but it's without the other person's knowledge that you're doing so. And what is Nolan thinking? Emily is, I feel like she's very observant. She would have noticed something different in her house, especially because she's the only person living there. She... Maybe, but we've already seen many times that Emily's not exactly the most careful person with this type of thing. Like, she leaves her doors open and unlocked. She's always just, like, falling asleep and has her box open in front of her. I don't know. I just feel like... I feel like she needs a little security system. Yeah, I'm just saying that she's gonna notice it. It's not like he can get away with putting a whale figurine Mm. on her mantle. Speaking of people who tried to get away with something, we find that Daniel finds his phone that Tyler had hidden from him. And he also talks with Emily about, you know, the fact that she, what, well, he thinks canceled dinner on her and then was having dinner with uh, Jack. And, you know, basically she tells him, uh, no, Tyler is the one, like, who, I went to talk to Tyler and then you never showed up and all this. And I was sitting there for two so, hours. I had made, I, I went over to your house to figure out what kind of meal you liked or something like that. And yeah, it just went it, home, cooked it, sat there for two hours, and Daniel was like, "Well, I saw that you, your your table wasn't empty." Yeah, and I mean so. I, Emily's completely in the right here. She's like, "Yeah, you didn't show up. Jack did. Oh well, he gets the food." Like, yeah, I didn't but, want it to go to waste, but I had cooked this for you, and it's. it's but I'm just great saying, that, like, it's it's something that Tyler tried to get away with, and Daniel immediately like goes and confronts him. Yeah, and it's good that. Daniel finally talked to Emily, and he was being completely honest. He didn't hide the fact that he had come over. uh, Also was snooping on her. Yeah, exactly. It's good. Honesty is always good in a relationship. Not that she's the most honest, but... (laughs) No, but at least, I mean, in terms of that whole scenario, she was honest with what happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she didn't invite Jack over. He just showed up. Anyway. And so, we yeah, we get this whole sort of subplot with, with Tyler of where he's he's given an internship by Conrad. And he claims that his internship at some other company fell through, and Conrad's like, oh, well, here, just just work for me this summer. And Daniel looks very surprised, like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. And I think 
I don't know about you, but for me, I'm like, did Tyler even have an internship with another company, or did he just say that it fell through? <laughs> you gotta he's, he's all talk. He's big talk. I just hate him so much. <laughs> and, let's see, when Daniel confronts him, Tyler just says that he was trying to protect Daniel. Yeah, which is so dumb. Help him. And Daniel's just like, well, do me a favor. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't and, help me. I'm a grown man. I can... And Tyler's just, like, spilling all kinds of things. He was eavesdropping on Conrad and Victoria talking where they were mention mentioned something about Lydia coming back into town and mentioned, you know, that she's dangerous because she knows all this information. And, you know, Victoria basically tells Conrad again, you know, you shouldn't have slept with her and stuff. And, of course, Tyler overhears this. Which, again, people need to stop just, like, sharing things out loud. I don't know. They didn't even have the door shut. So then Tyler tells Daniel, like, oh, I don't think, you know, I don't think your parents are all uptight because you went out drinking. I think they're uptight because of some kind of drama, you know, that has yeah. to do with this, uh, your dad sleeping with your mom's friend. And, of course, Daniel didn't know about that. And so he sort of gets mad at Conrad then and, and decides that he really doesn't want to work for Conrad. Which I think is basically the only way. I mean, that, I think that's the whole thing. It's like, Grace and Global, it's going to pass down to Daniel eventually. He doesn't really have a... Well, it's not like he doesn't have a choice, but I think that's the only way he's going to stay in his father's good graces. Yep. So, yeah, he tells Conrad he doesn't want to work, and then Conrad says that, I'm going to freeze your trust then. Right, right. Fun. So. so that's really what happens with Tyler and Daniel this episode, which is... Kind of a small subplot. It doesn't do much, but it definitely lays some groundwork for Daniel not feeling super comfortable with Conrad and for Tyler just being sketchy, like he always is. Eavesdropping and telling secrets and stuff. Well, he always, always tries to be the hero or, like, the the good one, like, in front of Victoria and Conrad. Right, like, right. Oh, Danny's back to being crazy boy. I also don't like how he calls him Danny. And did, so... When Daniel finds his cell phone, he finds that he left his credit card at the bar. It's like stowaway, right? Jack's bar. Like, did did uh, Tyler purposely? Like, he could have picked it up. Well, that's the dumb thing. Is like he's Daniel. Daniel's like, I don't know where my credit card is, and and Tyler doesn't say. It would be one thing if he was like, oh, well, maybe you left it at the stowaway. Like, yeah. He goes, oh yeah, you left it there. Like, like he, well, you couldn't have picked it up. Like, yeah, you saw he, that he left it there. Yeah, help me out. It's like he purposely wants. Daniel to go back to Jack to have to talk to him, which, the very end, we you find know. that maybe things are going to turn turn in better, a better direction. Better right, direction because we've got, so, just to cover all of the subplots before we get to the main plot again, but Declan starts this episode by, he wakes up early and he sets up the whole bar and lets Jack sleep in from the night before, and Jack comes down, he's all impressed, and Declan's like, yeah, you know, I've seen my seen Dad set it up a million times, and you know, you were worn out. You need to sleep in, and it sounds like that Jack has told Declan, like, hey, we're not selling the bar because we know that Declan wanted to sell the bar. Yeah, and money. we don't see this conversation, but we know that in the previous episode, Jack wanted a reason to stay, and I think he thought he was making some inroads with Emily, and so uh, that's why I guess he's say, staying and not. And not selling the bar, but so, De- I, so I guess he told Declan at some point. And Declan says that uh, they should hire somebody to help out. And Jack's like, uh, "Hello, that costs money. <laughs> we already are trying to. We're already struggling to make ends meet, and now we want to hire somebody to but, help." But I do think that's sort of like 
I mean, I'm not a business expert, but I think there is something to be said for, like, if you hire someone, maybe you have more time to... Do something... Yeah. You know, figure out some marketing or do, do other things to make the business better. Like, you know, you can keep it afloat by just the two of you working, but you are going to work yourselves, you know, to the bone and... Oh, yeah, yeah. You get someone to do the daily tasks while you are focused on long-term growth mm-hmm. and success of the business. So, for sure, it's good. It's just... Right at the beginning, you have to pay for somebody that you might not have made any money. Well, uh, right, it's investment. To save yeah. up to to pay for them, but and then at the end, uh, Daniel kind of Daniel hints at the hints. end of the episode that he might want to work for Jack at the because his dad says, "Well, I'm freezing your trust fund," and then Daniel needs to have some money, so why not <laughs> go work for Jack? <laughs> Which I don't know. I mean. I guess that's an okay idea, but I just feel like, like, come on, Daniel. You know that Jack it might be somewhat into Emily. You know that there's something going on there, even though Emily says they're just friends. And I'm not saying they're not, but I feel like it's pretty obvious that Jack wants there to be more than that. Maybe. I don't know. I just feel like it's a little, it would be a little sketch to do that. But from Jack's point of view, he's probably like, great. I get I get to be in charge of Daniel then. You know? <laughs> True, it might be what he wants. Get to watch well, him. Especially when at the end Jack kind of sees both Emily and Daniel together. Maybe he's picking up more hints that they're for the long haul. For the long, yeah, yeah. When they're at in uh at the, the jail. Right, the police station. Or the because, police station. <laughs> so, you know, we know from the previous episode that Charlotte and Victoria were not getting along very well because Victoria you know, her, her the, video. The video that was released from her conversations with Dr. Banks, it hinted that she was, or she basically said she doesn't have the best relationship with Charlotte, and that... She didn't directly say, like, I didn't want her to be born, but she said, sometimes I wonder if it was a good oh, idea to have, a mistake to have a second child, right? Yeah, so with that, and then I feel like this episode's one of the, the, um... The episode that has the most uh, references from previous episodes. I feel like a lot of yeah, them are pretty more much standalone. Like, more standalone, but this one it really talks a lot about what happened in the previous episode. Exactly, they talk, they bring up the videos from Doctor Banks, and they bring up Lydia's and Charlotte's mess of a relationship, and Charlotte's like, "Mom, when are you gonna? You just want me to to prance around with you and." look all good to the public, so it looks like we're both, but we're right, both back together. because we see really that, like, not. Victoria talks to Charlotte and says, why don't we do something together today, you know, to kind of have some bonding time. And you can see that Charlotte's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And then Victoria's like, yeah, come hang out with me and my friends. And, like, and, and like Charlotte's, just, of course, like, that's exactly what I don't want. Like, why do you only want to be seen with me, basically, when you can sell it as we're a happy family? Yeah, exactly. You don't really want to... There's ulterior motives with us hanging out. You don't want it to just be us bonding. It's you want us to look good for the public eye that we're we're a perfect family back again. So with that, the doorbell rings. There's a delivery. Charlotte answers answers the door and signs for uh, a gift that Conrad had given to Victoria, Victoria and it's this flashy new car. $200,000 car. $200,000 car. It's like a house. For me... You know, cars, cars are great. I have my dream car in mind, but they don't do that much for me. Like, 
I, it's not I'm, the kind of thing. I'm not impressed. I'm not really impressed. Well, and it's not the kind of thing where I'd feel like I would ever need a $200,000 car. I mean, look, I, some people are just into cars and that's what they would rather have. Like they would, they would rather have a ca- fancy car rather than a vacation or house or whatever. That's true. I want a car that gets me from A to B. I mean, I love I my want car. The, right. I want the amenities that I want in it, but it doesn't need to be like a sports car. You know, I it want it to be able to shit. play my iPod. <laughs> Have an auxiliary cord or a plug-in. That's what I want. Uh, I mean, for like a guy, it doesn't really doesn't do much for me if you have like a sports car. I really don't like sports cars. I love like my car that I have. Well, we both. It's because we both have SUVs. Yeah, mine's a like a mini SUV. Mine's a Subaru Forester, and I bought it used. It's 2009. It's not pretty super new, but when it it was like the the limited top edition. Of its time when I when it was released, so do you have seat warmers? Yes, I do oh, have seat warmers. Man, that's one thing I wish I had. But like, I don't use them anymore. I, I, it was giving me some <laughs> TMI. It was giving me some problems. So, what was going on with your seat warmers? <laughs> Making your booty too warm? You know, and I had some issues with like my irritation with my butt bone. What? Yeah, and I looked it up and and it, it basically when I sat down, I thought it was my desk desk chair at first that I, I could just feel my bone it, it was just it was it maybe it was all in my head but what does that have to do with, with seat warmers i googled irritation with with your bottom caused by seat warmers and people claim that yeah it gave them uh irritation and i had it on like full blast all through like november and december uh and then i cut it off and since then i haven't turned it on and my bottom my Booty? B- bottom. Why did you say booty? I'm trying to say polite. I'm trying to make it. Buttocks, it's been fine. Oh, so, I mean, if anybody else wants to use it, sure, they can use the passenger one. But for me, the the, the, the seat warmers didn't really, they were cool, but that's not what I like about the car. I like it's leather. I'm telling you, once you go to leather, you can't go back. Like, I do not like leather seats. It's so much easier to clean. It looks like my, I feel like my car just I feel like they're newer. hot and sticky and when you're sweaty, it's just like your legs stick to them. I'm not into it. Yeah. But, and, and my huge uh, moon roof. Not just a sunroof, but it's a moon roof. What is the difference between a sunroof and a moon roof? <laughs> I don't know. It just, nothing. Nothing. You're just saying that. No, but the, it's it definitely marketing. is called. No, but it's huge, Mary. It takes. Okay. A, it's like it's like a mar- well, in a back to the back to the booty warmers. Um, I I had a friend <laughs> who had a car and she had a leather car and it was an older car. But we I opened the door once and I looked inside and the seat was like not like melted, but it was like something was wrong with the leather seat in the passenger side. She goes, yeah, there was like a fire from the, <gasps> from the boat warmers. She, well, you know what? Sometimes people forget to turn it off. And for me, since it's on the passenger side, I'm not feeling it. So I'm like, oh, shoot, my passenger side. It's like leaving the oven on. Yeah, exactly. The warmers have been on and uh, I kind of freak out. But, but yeah, for a guy, what I like, <laughs> I like if a guy drives like a truck. You know something. You so not only are you now into critiquing men, but you're into critiquing (laughs) what car they drive. No, it's not like it's a deal breaker. Obviously. All right. You know what? Me and my boyfriend, we have the same car, so I'm okay with this. Yeah. If he pulls up with a, (laughs) (laughs) if he pulls up with an SUV, a truck. I just I don't like cars that are low down. Why? Basically, basically, you don't like it. You don't like it when your feet stick out in front of you. Like when you have to bend your knees, like you're in a chair. Yeah, it has nothing to do with comfort. I mean, I, I, it, I, 
comfort is a factor, but really I like being up high. I like being up off the ground. I don't like feeling like I'm the smallest car out there. I, I'm a short person. I'm a short girl. I'm not super tall. So I like feeling like I'm in charge of the road. No, it's I, I really like that. Okay, yeah, so boys out there who want me, you better drive a truck. <laughs> not really. Okay. <laughs> so major plot that we haven't talked about yet, which is the whole Lydia Davis thing. Mentioned a little bit about how she wants her house back. She's moving back into the fold. She's becoming a problem. And so when she comes and talks to Emily and says, like, hey, I want my house back, Emily basically says, oh, it's fine. I'll just send you some of your stuff. And Lydia's like, "Mm, everybody has a South Fork Inn. I'm gonna find yours. (laughs) Yeah. So when Emily bought the house, she bought it furnished with all of Lydia's stuff. In there, so she's basically just like taking a little jab at Emily or at Lydia. Emily's taking a jab at Lydia, basically like, "You're not uh, you're not moving back, but I can box up some of your stuff if you want it." Yeah. So we see then Emily making a box of stuff, and this is something that I had never really caught before exactly what was happening here. But what was happening is Emily has either I don't know about the book whether or not this was real, but there's a book that's from Michelle Banks you know, the doctor for the previous episode, and it was, there's a, a, a signature in the beginning that says something about Lydia, take your life back, or, or get your, become control, or take control of your life, or something like that. So like the, the title was like, Six Steps to, to the recovery. Road of Recovery, or something like that. Right, so she put that in there, and there's also a DVD in there that says Lydia's Video Sessions, and we see a folder that has some a bunch of printouts of, of news clippings of uh, Senator Kingsley's resigning from his campaign. And so I never really understood what this was before this episode. I think I just sort of glossed over it. I, like, missed that couple seconds. But it's clear to me that Emily is trying to frame Lydia for getting Senator Kingsley to resign and uh, behind the Michelle Banks stuff because... There's, I don't know, there's just evidence that she's connected to both of those things now that she sent over. And we also hear that Emily mentions these things to Victoria, trying to get Victoria to suspect Lydia. Because Ashley came and told Emily earlier on in the episode that Victoria suspects Emily's involvement in the Michelle Banks and she kidnapping. said, yeah, because I really wanted all my personal conversations about my boyfriend to be broadcast to the public. Basically being like, uh, Ashley, I had no, no, uh, Well, I don't, I don't think Ashley believes that Emily had any connection to it. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that's what she, that's what she says to Ashley. Right. She just says that. And then it comes out that either Frank or Victoria say that, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting how Lydia is a client of Dr. Banks and Lydia was the only person that was not featured in that video, uh, of the private sessions with Dr. Banks. Right, and em- Emily says, yeah, of course she wasn't featured in there because, hint, hint, I think she did it, you know. And uh, it all fits, and it was all pretty good. And So Emily ships all this stuff over to Lydia, and she throws in a couple things that I actually were Lydia's, some books and stuff like that. And one thing that she throws in is this whale, because I guess, like you were saying, Emily doesn't recognize it, and so she assumes it must have been Lydia's, but it's actually the whale cam that Nolan just put in her house. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she either, I think that either she thinks, oh, this is on the mantle with Lydia's stuff, it's Lydia's, 
or I know this is something sketch. I'm going to put it in. Like, maybe Sherry knew. You think Sherry knew that it was a video? No, I don't think so. Because at the end, uh, or later on in the episode, when Nolan discovers that the camera has been moved into Lydia's house, and he eventually tells Emily a bunch of stuff about... Oh, yeah, yeah. About Lydia, about the... Oh, right, so the picture. And she's like, and she's like, wait, how do you know... How do you know this was happening? He goes, ah, I put a camera in your house. So, just so you know. She's like, what? It's like, well, your dad wanted someone to be watching over you. Oh, my gosh. But I I did like the the whole scene where Nolan is watching Lydia's house. And he sees Conrad come in. And this is just ridiculous. So, Lydia's, like, just walking around. What is she wearing? Who just walked around their house in lingerie? Lingerie. 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 What did you, I don't know what you used to call it. <laughs> lingerie. 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 Right. And with, like, a pretty cover-up, like a see-through. It's like a see-through robe, but it's only got, like, one button, and it's, yeah. Negligee. No, it's not negligee. I don't even know what that is. That's, like, it's like a little dress, like a little... Short. Wait, with the things that have, like, the straps that connect to the... Like, no, the not things. necessarily. Oh. I mean, I don't even need that. <laughs> I have no, uh, experience with any of this stuff. <laughs> right. Anyway. So, I wear sweats to bed. <laughs> I don't even own a real bra. Okay, just kidding. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, so she's talking with Conrad, and she's basically saying, oh, Conrad, I want to become friends with Victoria again, and Conrad's like, girl! Please, Victoria's like, done with you. Like, that friendship exists only in your head. He doesn't say it like that, but that's how I say it in my head. And so he's just, like, telling Lydia, you know, it's never going to happen. And Lydia's like, well, maybe you should try to get us back together. Maybe you need to try to make that rendezvous happen. Rendezvous. <laughs> and Conrad's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to hook up my wife and my mistress. That's just not a thing. But... Anyway, so then we see that, so he kind of gets mad at Lydia and storms out. And Lydia's like, um, dude, like, you might want to make whatever I want happen because otherwise I'm going to just tell everyone your whole secret about how you were involved with David Clark. So. Yeah. A lot of blackmailing going on. Right. Threatening to do that. Right. And so he just leaves and he, he's like holding a picture of Victoria and Lydia, and he just drops them on the ground and it shatters. And it's a picture of Lydia and Victoria, Victoria at a previous New Year's Eve party. Oh, it's at, oh, yeah, it's at the Grayson's New Year's Eve party. Okay. And so we see Lydia pick it up and look at it, and what it is is it's, it's you know, a picture of them, but in the background we see Emily, but it's Emily when she still had really dark hair. The short dark hair with the bangs, and she's pouring like a champ- you know, champagne to someone's glass. She's a server at, at this like party a, in the, from like a catering company. She's like in yeah. the background of the picture, and it's really funny because the picture is so sketchy because Emily's clearly like she's three tables away, but she's clearly looking at Victoria. So we see that Lydia is picks up this picture and she sort of smiles and she's like ooh, and that's when we hear from Nolan when he tells tells Emily all this stuff about what happened with, uh, Conrad coming to visit, and he said, you know, tells her, like, I think Lydia's on to you, she keeps calling these catering companies, trying to figure out if, if, you, I guess, asking if they had ever hired a, an Emily Thorne. Right, and so that's when Emily freaks out, because... Like, you need to go and 
race my name. Because Emily Thorne wasn't working for the catering company back in 2003. That was right after she got out of juvie. And so it was Amanda Clark's name was on Well, he says something like, well, what are you going to say about why... Or what are you going to say when Lydia questions why Emily Thorne, who's rich, was spending her New Year's Eve pouring champagne for the rich? She's like, well... It's Emily Thorne's name's not gonna be on the list. It's gonna be Amanda Clark. So that's that's good. It gives it gives her some time. It gives it's not gonna be as easy for Lydia to find evidence that she was working there. So we also get some context that I've just realized now. So that was a 2003 New Year's Eve party, and assuming this show is set when it was filmed in 2011, that was eight years ago. And so she got out of juvie when she was what was she 16, 17, 18? Do you remember? I was assuming assume 18. If she was 18 when she got out of juvie, she is now 26. So, woo! Okay, figured out go. how old Emily is, finally. She's somewhere between 24 and 26, depending on when she got out of juvie, if she was 16 to 18 when she got yeah. out. Anyway, which is good, because I think that's about what we guessed that she was, mid to upper 20s. So, uh, you know, we've got this now, we've got this threat of Lydia exposing to Victoria, who, well, at the very least, that Emily Thorne was at this party, and possibly even that it was Amanda Clark. So then we've got the whole party situation going on. We're at this gala, and this is where the theme of guilt really factors into the episode. Yeah, so it's a, um... Open Arms Charity Gala. Open Arms Charity Gala, and each time they have this gala, they like to highlight a particular charity a particular charity and this time who picks it out it's uh, a committee of some sort Ashley of thing. Or... no it's a committee who does that but but Emily hints to Ashley early on like hey if you want to get back into Victoria's good graces since you you know are being partially blamed for messing up this the last event that Victoria had then what you should probably do is is uh try to convince the committee to um, select select right the Graysons and recognize them and yeah, so their the, charity. So is, the, the gala picks one foundation to honor, and they pick Victims United Outreach, right? Which was something that the Graysons had had uh, created to deal help. with their guilt. Well, yeah, deal with their guilt, but but people don't know that what what it is is it it's um it helps. The, victim, the victims' families, the victims of the plane crash, their families, right. helps them right. recover. And, and we see a flashback where Victoria's watching the news and she sees a woman who Hel- lost her two sons and her husband, I think, in the plane crash. And Victoria's watching and she's crying and she says, you know, we need to, or I don't know if she's crying, but she looks upset. She says, we need to help them all. And both Frank and Conrad are kind of don't think this is a good idea because they don't want any connection connection back to the Graysons from this. After they successfully framed David Clark and Victoria's guilt, of course, is what makes her want to pull this off. Yep. Yeah. And she's like conveniently, is she shit sitting next to that lady later on this in this episode? Yeah, I think this was something that either Ashley or Emily had sort of organized because Victoria didn't know that she was going to be recognized and be sitting next to all of these victims, and I think that that was supposed to just sort of enhance her her guilt and, and make her on edge. And so we find out because, so Victoria sent Frank to go 
and investigate kind of Lydia and see if she was behind the whole Michelle Banks thing. And he's looking at her computer and he ends up finding out her speech that she's about to give. Because Lydia is introducing Victoria and Conrad Grayson uh, to recognize them. And her speech has to do with, basically, it's all written, it says like, you guys have all been deceived by the Graysons. They're really the criminals behind, you know, flight. Yeah. Whatever. So Lydia's about to out the Graysons right in front of everybody. Frank tells Victoria this, and Victoria's like, I can handle this, let me go and talk to Lydia real quick. Right before Lydia introduces, goes up, them. introduces them, we don't know what she says originally, but it, it turns out that she says something about, like, we're, we're still going we're gonna to be, be friends. friends. Yeah, I'm glad you moved back here. Let, let's bury the hatchet. Something yeah. like that. Which really sounds like that's really what Lydia wants. Right, it's I think, that, I think that is all that Lydia wants. I think she just wants to be friends with Victoria and she wants her old life back. I think that's the purpose. And and honestly, like, I think that's... I, I feel like Victoria should have just done that. Should have just stuck with that. Yeah, at least played along a little bit longer. So when Lydia goes up to announce the Graysons, she does not use her original speech. She says something real quick like, glad to be here to support them and... Here they are. Yeah. Here, they, here they are. And yeah, so, it's just kind of a nice thing. It's all good. But then after the speech, after everything's over, Victoria comes up to Lydia, and I think Lydia's like, yeah, glad we're going to be friends. And Victoria's like, ha ha, got you. No, we're not. Yeah. Like, bye. I want you out of here. And that really upsets Lydia. It's like, come on, Victoria. I feel like she could have waited a little longer. She could have waited a little bit longer. So Victoria is all, or Lydia's all upset, and she leaves she goes home. She goes home. To where Frank is waiting for her. Yeah. Frank's there, and they get into, like, a... a tussle. A tussle. <laughs> Did you say, like, a rustle? No, a, a tussle. Yeah, a rumble. No, they, they... He attacks her, and she ends up sort of running. Well, she kind of attacks him first, I feel like. Well, well he's... He... I think he... I don't know if he pulls out a gun or... But he seems like he's going to attack her. Well, no, he says to her, like, I've caught you. I... We... Uh, we know that you were going to... Expose, expose the Graysons. Of course, she's clue- clueless. She knows nothing. Well, no, 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 no. Sorry, she does. She had the speech written. But I don't think she knew that they were on to her. No, they didn't. And she didn't do all this stuff either. Right. Like, I think the motives, I think... Right, she had no connection with Michelle Banks or with Kingsley. No. So, so, but Frank is accusing Lydia of something, and Lydia is unaware of... Right, she's she's kind of clueless as to what exactly he's accusing her of, but she can tell that he's menacing, and I think she might even know who he is, like, know that he works for the Graysons. So she yeah. runs upstairs. They're both kind of being... Or she's being chased by him. They're kind of tackling each other upstairs, up into her rooftop. Right, and, and she ends up... He's sort of... It's hard to tell if he pushes her, if she sort of trips, but some combination of both. She falls over the edge, lands on the car, which was the scene we had seen at the very beginning, right? Yep. And, and, and so then we assume Frank leaves, I guess, and then only a couple minutes later, Nolan comes in. He so why is he come? Why does he come in? I can't remember again. He's coming in to, oh, to switch, switch to switch the the facts that that the um, catering company is sending over that has Amanda Clark's names on it. He's switching it with some other name, and I think he even takes the picture that has. Uh, Amanda Clark in the background. Yeah, so, so he takes that and he takes the whale cam back too, I think. And he's like in a crime scene right now. Like, he doesn't know 
What does he do? He sees something. Well, he he hears sirens all of a sudden. Oh and yeah. So he, he runs upstairs and looks outside, sees Lydia's body. He's like, oh shoot, like I'm shoot, in a crime right. zone. So he leaves, and he gets home and he watches the. He takes the whale. Right. Too. So he takes the whale cam and he he plugs the USB into his computer and he watches it and he sees Frank and Lydia fighting and you know connects the dots and assumes what happened there. So he's trying to call Emily real quick to tell her all this. Meanwhile. Um, and she, he, you know, he leaves a message saying, I think Lydia, I think Frank killed Lydia. But in the meantime, Emily's a little preoccupied. It was cute. Charlotte had gotten arrested for driving, for speeding in the yes, car. Yes, that with, was cute. With Declan. <laughs> yeah, that part wasn't cute. But, but Daniel goes to Charlotte's rescue and picks up Charlotte from... The police station. Police station with Emily. Anyway, so Emily and Daniel go back to Emily's place, and what he, did I? Oh I my s- gosh, he's just so upfront. She's like, "Oh, so are you really gonna take the oh, job yeah. at the stowaway?" And he's like, "I don't know, baby. But right now, all I'm thinking about is taking you to bed." I don't think he says taking you to bed. What does he say? Taking you upstairs or taking you to your room or something like that. But yeah, he doesn't say it like that, baby. <laughs> it's just like it's Emily, basically that. Though. Emily says. Are you really serious about taking the bartending job? And he says, right now, all I'm concerned with is taking you to the bedroom. Oh, gosh. Aw, so cute. So they start kissing. I don't think he says like that either. Yeah. Whatever. Well, but I'm, not like, baby, I'm trying to hit you up, trying to tap you. Or, tap that. Tap that. Yeah, no. no. But, but this is the first time where it's really like, Emily's real going through with this. You know, it's not like an innocent little peck. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of wondering. Like, she's is she deep attracted down to him into at this. all? Oh gosh, okay. But is she is she really into him at all? I mean, as far as we know, this be? is still okay. Laura, He's not cute. everyone just goes for a pretty face. Baby got back. Well, I think baby got standards too, and it's not him. <laughs> He's a great guy. Okay. Okay. A rough path, but a rough a, a a rough past, but don't we all? Well, I mean, she does. Well, we, we know what Daniel's South Fork is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> South Fork. Anyway. Um, no. No, wait. I'm saying Daniel, whole, Daniel's whole thing with drinking and with, like, the girl and all that, that's his, like, secret thing from the past. Yeah, but it, is it not secret at all? Okay, it's in well, front it's, of, it, everybody knows about it. Well, I think he would rather that everyone didn't know about it, probably. At least he has a story that he can be like a no, that's changed not, man. That, people like those. Stories. I wouldn't you love rather those. someone just be nice the whole time, like Jack, rather than being a changed man. I mean, I don't think there's anything yeah. sketchy in Jack's past. Come back, Queen, like Britney Spears. No, okay. Britney Spears is I, back. I, I'm back. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they go back to the bedroom, and we're not I'm not gonna say all that happens, but it gets it gets sassy. Well, yes. So oh, and they like cuddle, and I feel like Emily's just sitting there, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Daniel's cuddling with her. And I, I love it. He's, yeah, he's spooning her, and she's just, like, thinking uh, about revenge, as yeah. usual, little cold-hearted girl. What's the next thing I'm going to do? And once again, we have just a really great song being played. This song is called Twice by the band Little Dragon. Look it up. It's another great, oh, it's not the great girl. song. What? I thought it was the girl that no, was last No, it's different. Time. It's, it's, it's sort of the same sound. tone. It's the same tone, right, as Agnes O'Bell, her songs from the last couple episodes, but... This song is really good. I recommend it. Look it up. Uh, all the songs from season one are very great. And at the same time, at the very end, Emily has a quote, and she says, it's all about guilt. Like, she says, I run towards my guilt. I feed off of it. I need it. Guilt is one of the few lanterns that lights my way. Like, she, some people 
the weight that the, the guilt that they have really weighs on them and affects them and 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 just really has a negative effect but for her she says that she craves the guilt the guilt is what keeps her going like guilt does not scare her she, she feeds off of it right and i think that that's important because it's one of the things that keeps her sort of human and alive and yeah, and it kind of shows that the Graysons, they have guilt. Victoria, she's kind of made some wrong moves because of all the guilt she has. And whereas Emily has some guilt, but she's thriving off of it. <laughs> okay, so that's really the end of that episode. Uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next time. Excited to know if uh, Lydia's dead. Looks like it. If she's not dead, well, then I don't think people understand what happens when you fall off like a 50-story building and land on a car. Really? Also, the physics of that I'm still confused off because when we see Nolan look over the roof, she's like, not only did she just fall off the building, the car is parked on the road. There is like a 10-foot-wide sidewalk. Somehow she jumped over the sidewalk and And she fell. floated so she would land horizontally Perfectly instead of horizontally instead of yeah like like parallel she falls and lands parallel to the building which really you would have landed perpendicular to the building whatever you know what it's a show we know it's not all accurate <laughs> i like to see a mythbusters on that that little move she does in the air but um yeah right right now we're assuming that she is dead uh and you know what happens when you assume but <laughs> um Backpacked you up. <laughs> Laura's child. Alright, anyway, feel free to send us comments and questions on our website or on our Twitter at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. You can also watch our episodes on our YouTube channel, which will be out eventually. That's also KowskiCast with a K. If you'd like to refresh your memory from some of the images of the show, we'll put that all together in a video for you, along with the podcast. And we would love five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. It really is the best way for people to find our podcast. Or if you just want to share the podcast with people. That's also great. <laughs> anyway. That's true. <clears throat> that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. And we will be back next Monday for our rewatch of episode six. For now, we're the Kowski sisters. Peace out. And we would love five-star ratings or four-star, actually. No, really only just five-star. If you're, if you're going to give us a four-star, just don't, just don't rate it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. We are 100% on nothing. We got high standards. Even though there's so much noise in the background of this episode. <laughs> Apologize. Oh, Lord.